Do you want to capture meaningful conversations that you care about? Spotify for Podcasters allows you to make a podcast super effortlessly, distribute it automatically everywhere, completely free, and even earn money doing it. Did I say free while making money? What happened to capitalism? Use your phone or computer, hit press record, upload, and start creating today. You can also monetize your podcast super effortlessly through features like ads and subscriptions through the platform. If you have been following the Discover More journey, you know that I've been using Spotify for Podcasters since 2020. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters. Spotify.com slash podcasters to start creating immediately. There's rigid walls around your expectations and what you think your dreams look like and what you think the journey of achieving your dreams look like. And when those standards aren't met, that's when it gets heartbreaking. But I feel like if you come at it from a place where it's more of like an adventure and an exploration of what opportunities there are and expect that there will be hard times and lessons, it feels so much better. Thank you for discovering more with us today. Some of my favorite conversations are when I interview known public figures and we engage in this dance of vulnerability and openness despite their extensive scripted media training that often put them in a box. I also share some of my own family conflicts and situations that have been navigating emotionally during the time of this recording as it is still unfolding to this date. In today's conversation, you will learn why all of the accolades and fame will not bring you the happiness that you expect and instead why we need to focus on what really matters internally, whether that is family, core values, or the way we deal with our emotions. Meet Mika Javier, a multi-talented powerhouse in the entertainment industry. Mika is a Filipino actress, singer-songwriter, recording artist, and producer. Mika was signed to Timberland Productions, where her record 300 Light Years was licensed to Fox's hit show Glee and Lifetime's hit series Dance Mom. Mika's impressive IMDb movie credits include Steven Seagal's General Commander, you might have heard of him, and much more. You can expect to learn about the life of a third culture kid, what it's really like making in the entertainment industry, not just in the US, but globally, how dreams evolve, what the healing process looks like, how to grieve a parent's death, and much, much more. Today, we have a very special sponsorship segment. We are going to use Mika Javier's latest hit single, Love Is, to give you a glimpse of her artistry and her musical talents and everything in between. Please enjoy my conversation with the talented Mika Javier. Discover More, Discover More is a show, is a show. for independent thinkers by independent thinkers. Mika, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. There's over 3.8 million people in the city of Los Angeles, according to census data in 2021. Yet the city can feel very lonely often. What has working in the entertainment industry in LA taught you so far after living in New York City for about seven years? Was a very easy adjustment for me after already having moved to New York and then moving to Manila from New York and then moving from Manila to LA and being in the entertainment industry for as long as I have been. When you read my intro, I was like, it was like giving me flashbacks of like 
dang, I've done so much, but I feel like I haven't done enough. And I think it's not just entertainment industry in LA, it's entertainment industry across the board that teaches me how to kind of create my own world here in LA so that I don't get lost and that I don't get lonely as much. And then touching back on being a third culture kid, I feel like that's a foundation of how to not feel lonely because as a third culture kid, you're literally picked up from where you're used to being and then dropped off somewhere new, somewhere else. A lot of people, like you said, their dreams are crushed when they come here, but I guess it's also a perspective of why you came here. I feel like when your expectations are a certain way and it's not, there's rigid walls around your expectations and what you think your dreams look like and what you think the journey of achieving your dreams look like. And when those standards aren't met, that's when it gets heartbreaking. But I feel like if you come at it from a place where it's more of like an adventure and an exploration of what opportunities there are and expect that there will be hard times and lessons, it feels so much better, at least for me. I feel like that's what helps me not feel so lonely, I guess. Following this passion and dream that's bigger than yourself. And it's almost like the idea that momentum creates more momentum. Because I feel like so many people get caught up in paralysis by analysis. I have to have the perfect setup. I have to have the best camera, the best mic. Our first episodes were recorded on our iPhones. The iPhone right here that you see. So I tell new people or friends that don't check out the first few episodes, the audio quality is horrendous. But I think it's this idea that nonlinear progression makes it an art form. Yeah. Um, I'm following someone. He's a director, Filipino-American director. And, and he started an Instagram recently, and he talks about that and, and how one of the biggest questions is, what's the best camera to use? And he literally said, which resonated with me. He said, the best camera to use is the one you already own. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, that's true. Because you can do so much with what you already have. Might not be the best, but it could get you something to be a stepping stone for you to do something more later on. But if you don't start with what you have, it's kind of like you're just chasing your tail and running around in a circle. Yeah, zero times thousand is still zero. Yeah. So speaking of stepping stone, never give up is probably the most cliche trope there is. But life does not always bend to our will, as you know, Mika. And dreams can shift and evolve and morph over time. How have your dreams evolved, especially after hitting so many monumental and important milestones over a decade in the entertainment industry? <laughs> it's so weird that you're saying over a decade in the entertainment industry. <laughs> I don't feel like I've been in it that long. I guess if you count all the like the, the hardships and like the struggle and the stepping stones, the whole journey for me has constantly been an evolution. When I first got my taste in the entertainment world, I guess you could consider it entertainment. It was modeling. I was in high school. My first commercial was actually a Colgate billboard <laughs> where it was like, you just had to smile and <laughs> show your nice pearly whites. Uh -huh. And then the person that I was with in that billboard was already a famous actress around my age also. And I was nobody. I was just a young girl student, which fast forward when I actually entered the entertainment industry, she became my friend. And one of my first talking points with her was, hey, remember that billboard we, we did when we were like teenagers back in the day? And she was like, oh my God, yeah, I remember. And then we became friends. Anyway, so me saying that is... From the modeling thing, and then I had the dancing thing on the side after school. Of course, I graduated, and then I ended up applying and getting accepted into NYU. I wanted to continue to bring all of those worlds with me. So I, I went from modeling to music right away. The music led to guestings on TV. The TV guestings led to people saying, hey, why don't you try acting? I was always just open to suggestions and opportunities that I never experienced before. And I was just interested and curious. And that helps me be more curious about the next few doors that will open for me now and moving forward. 
We talked about jack of all trades and master of none during our discovery call last week. I think it's a false dichotomy because I think you can be jack of all trades and master of some. It's not necessarily one or the other. And I think a lot of people underestimate that all best things in life compound over time. And I think your transferable skill sets from what it sounds like allows you to propel your other aspects of creative hats. Yeah. I think they're all very interconnected. And it's not the segregated relationships that a lot of people view them as. Yeah. And I feel like everything that I've gotten into have been uh, related to each other. Like my interests have always remained the same from when I was a kid to now. It's just the different aspects of these interests have kind of intertwined at some point. It's not like I'm like, today I want to be a singer. Tomorrow I'm going to be a scientist. Like it's so far off, right? But everything I've always been interested in has always connected with each other somehow and that's how it makes sense for me that the cycle continues and i just keep elevating and growing from wherever i was before i think we're very different but we also have very similar sides where i'm only interested in two things in life podcasting and my clinical work as a clinician and they're both about humans and emotions as a therapist i get to sit down with my clients and patients for an hour per session I'm there. There's nothing but myself and the clients and their stories and their trauma, their work, emotions. When I'm here with you as a guest, there's nothing on my mind except you and your stories. And to my surprise, my roles as a psychotherapist and podcaster, they complement each other really well. So I definitely echo that where once you have the intention and mindfulness and the courage to step forward into the unknown, I think we're often surprised by what life has that awaits on the other side. Yeah. I feel like for me, it's, I love creating and I've always been very observant. Um, I've not always been the most talkative person in the room. I feel like my imagination kind of lets itself run wild sometimes when I observe people in different settings and different um, dynamics and power dynamics and situations. And I feel like for me, that's what's so interesting and fulfilling is like in music you're expressing yourself and your story and someone can relate to that and maybe someone will make you'll make someone's day because of your song same with acting it's like if like the role that you play resonates with the audience and it's like wow they feel empowered all of a sudden after watching you play a certain role which i think from my acting experience i had a really fun and good taste of that and getting that feedback from audience and it just makes me like want to impart something beautiful and creative and inspiring to whoever and whether it's that or like my family's perspective of coming from a food industry how good deeds impact or good creations impact other people's lives you talk about you love creating beautiful things on your website and our conversation as well and I see some theme where your parents sounds like they're in the business industry. I know they're pretty successful business-wise. And they were creating things to nurture the body. And I mm. feel like you're creating artistic things to nurture the soul. The soul, yeah. I feel like that's exactly, you worded it really well, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm a podcaster, so I got to do something, you know? Oh, man. I, gotta, <laughs> I have a lot to learn from you. You speak really, really well. Yeah, and I guess... Like it was always a struggle with with me and my dad um, growing up because he was such a strong businessman, business and then food industry. It was so far from like the arts. And I was always like, I want to be an artist. I want to be an artist. And he was like, no, this is this is a solid like I work. You, me and your mom worked so hard to give you the life that you live and and like at least be interested in it, you know, like help or <laughs> <laughs> help out in the kitchen, help. And I appreciated the, their efforts and the grind and the hard work and admire the empire that they built. And I feel like my brain was wired a little differently where it's like, I want to do that also, but kind of my own way, having integrity with what you're doing and doing your best at it and working so hard at it that eventually it resonates and then you find success i feel like there's a really good lesson there no matter what industry i try to apply that to my world and not to alienate what 
where I came from. And I always still strive to find a way to fit in and how I can help my own way with my whole, my family stuff. But, you know, we are all on a different journey and allowing myself that has been difficult because of the pressure of being obedient and grateful. And I feel like at the end of the day, like we're all doing something good. You talked about family a few times. Let's go there. And then I want to talk about some of your work and some of your creative aspects. But since we're in the space of family, let's go there for a bit. I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying that at age 30, I'm also currently going through boundary settings. And I haven't talked to my mom, my sister, or my dad in about six months. Like no contact. I'm seeing a therapist for it. There's some deep-rooted abandonment issues from my biological father. I'm dealing with a situation with my stepdad, who I've been with for 18 years. But I share that because I think I've always been fascinated by the nonlinear progressions of how us as the offspring of our parents grow independently, with or without the lineages of our family influences, to become our own versions of the adults that we're proud of. So like, I know you're from, as we talked about, from a quite reputable family, right? Their business is pretty reputable, it's well known. And I know you talked about you're very proud of this, your ability to navigate very different cultural assimilations, Philippines, United States, New York City, LA, and you became your own version of Mika that you're really proud of. What have you had to unlearn and decondition by becoming Mika Javier of today? Versus the childhood. That it's not all about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we get this notion of like, follow your dreams and do you and be you. And that's great. Like have, have that, never lose that fire. But also don't forget to look at who paved the way for you to even mm. be alive and have a roof over your head. And the sacrifice that these people made that was the lesson that I really had to learn by going through the struggles with my dad and my family. Because it was, I feel like for a long time, I was so driven and adamant about like, no, I have to do it now. I'm young now. I graduated college and I, I can take on the world now. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday. Yeah. It's like, and then it's like, cool. Um, when you're chasing so hard at something and you're forgetting about everybody else around you, sometimes that thing that you're chasing will like run away even faster, especially when we're younger and like super energetic to, you see everybody around you getting successful and doing the same things. And you're like, Hey, when's my turn? When's my turn? When certain lessons have to be learned and until you learn them, it's going to keep showing up as obstacles in your life in different ways, in whatever situation you're in. So for me, I think one of the biggest lessons was like, yeah, it's not all about you all the time. <laughs> I like that. It's very contrary to the Western individualistic, your happiness above all else mindset. Very collective and very thoughtful. Being Filipino, born and raised in the Philippines, Asian culture, community, but then going to school in an American school system while you're in a third world country you kind of veer towards one way more than the other. And, and finding that balance only comes with time and age. So I want to get a little bit personal, uh, if you don't mind. Feel free to take this where you feel comfortable. I know you and I, we shared last week that you were able to reconcile with your dad, in turn your family, because uh, you were excommunicated for a few years, right? <laughs> and that's related to what I shared, this closure, where I'm currently going through that process now. So can you share, like, how did you restore your relationship with your dad and your family? Um, because I think especially as immigrant children, every single immigrant Americans I know of that's our age, in their 30s, they're going through this intergenerational conflict, cultural clash, yeah. frustrations, resentment, even though we understand that without them, there's no us. But then I think so many of us, especially a lot of women, they suppress their desires for the sake of appeasing for their parents. Yeah. And I think it can be very one-sided at times. But speaking of balance and restoring and family, because family is a big pillar in your life. Yeah. How did you restore that relationship and what did it look like? It was very, very challenging. Very, very difficult. Probably the worst years of my life were the two years that my dad and I were not talking. Mm. Everything was 
falling apart. It was like my business that I started with my dad fell apart because he pulled out and left me to learn my lessons. It was like, mm. it was bad. It was like pulling the rug right from under you. And he was getting sick. He had kidney failure. And I think I stressed him out maybe. Maybe it contributed to his illness because I was being so stubborn. I was very, very stubborn. And I was set in my idea and my own way of how I think my family should have been post my mom's passing. I was so stuck on the idea that we were a unit forever as me and my three brothers and my sister from my mom and dad, the original five, which I shouldn't even be using that term because I used to get in trouble for the using the term original because then what does that make my other siblings feel like they're not original? No, we're all original, but, but like the first family, I guess. I was so stuck on that unit that when my mom passed away, I do clearly remember my dad, I guess he was trying to console us. We were so young. I was only 13. The youngest was only five. And it was this promise that it's like, it's us. We're the unit forever. Mm. We will always be solid, us. Five kids and papa. And then eventually, you know, life has to go on. You have to grieve. You have to find a way to get out of it and move on with your life. And then certain other people came into my dad's life and I was completely like, no, Mm. (laughs) like, I don't want anything to do with you. Like, you're not my mom. Like, it's not the same. And mind you, I was a 13 year old kid when my mom died. I barely just got my period. I didn't even have bra yet at the time I had to, you know, it was so traumatizing for me. I didn't think about it like that at the time, but the first time I ever had to buy a bra, my dad gave me money and he said, go to the store and buy a bra with it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. There's no way he was going to go with you. Don't know how to help you there. (laughs) You know, and I was like, okay, I go to the store. I think it was like Marks and Spencer or something. And I just had like, I don't know, like a bill in my pocket and I go up to the sales lady and I'm like, hi, I don't know. I, I need a bra, I think. I don't know. So embarrassing. Like you're... You don't know who you are as a young woman going through all these changes. And like, I felt like I had to do all of these things, discovering all these how to be a woman all by myself and nobody to look up to, woman to look up to. That made me even more so protective over my family unit. How I got out of that was because it happened a few times already before the final, like, okay, I'm really not going to talk to you until you change. When that happened, I really had to look inward and I really sought out people that knew how to navigate things like this, not therapists, but I was introduced by a friend that I trusted to a life coach who did this breakthrough kind of seminar where it addresses issues like this and simulates real life conflicts and situations and highlights how you deal with it. And everything stems from when you were a kid and maybe not knowing how to value yourself and love yourself and allow yourself to be loved and allow yourself that sometimes the things that you are frustrated about or kind of rejecting from entering your life are the things that you actually need. Um, So it was a lot of introspective work, a lot of healing. I got into spirituality and praying on my own, not through the traditional way of like, you have to go to church every Sunday and pray. It was more intentional. And I kind of learned how to talk to the higher power and trust my gut a little more and allow myself to be malleable. And in doing that, it took me about two years to get the awareness and I was also scared to start to knock on my dad's door again and kind of open the conversation. It's so funny because the one opportunity that kind of opened the door again was very serendipitous. I'll just tell you quickly, I was going to go to a Jokoi comedy show. So funny. Yeah, he had a a show in the Philippines and it was a back to back, like a 5 p.m. and an 8 p.m., something like this. And me and my husband, well, boyfriend at the time, were planning to go to the later show, but our tickets were actually for the earlier show. So we're planning to get there after the first show. We get there and the doors open and we're realizing, oh no, like we missed the show. <laughs> yeah. Like we're like, they're actually exiting. They're not entering, they're exiting. 
we're like, dang, we missed it. The first people I see when the doors open that come out of the theater, your dad, my stepmom. Well, she they weren't. Oh, was she my stepmom already? Well, basically, my siblings and my my stepmom. We lock eyes. We make eye contact. I was shitting myself. I literally was like, I want to poof and disappear from the earth right now. Like if some genie could just go poof, I'm gone. Like I just wanted to disappear because I didn't know what to say. And so my husband, boyfriend at the time was like, just go up to them and just say, <laughs> like nudging me, like just say sorry or just say I love you. I miss you. I say anything. Just don't stand there. And so what happened was my siblings were so in shock that we were even in the same room. My dad wasn't there. It was just my dad's wife. And we're staring at each other. All the people are passing next to us. And we're slowly walking towards each other for some reason. And then we end up face to face. And all my siblings were behind her, like, like shivering, like they're scared. They're like, oh my God, are they going to fight? Are they going to hug? Are they going to cry? Like, what's going to happen? And I literally, whatever came out of my mouth was like, Atikai, I am so sorry for everything. And I miss you so much. And I miss Papa so much. And I love you guys. I'm going to cry. But like, and then I cried. And she cried too. And she was like, I'm sorry also. I want you and your Papa to make up and see each other again. And like she was like, I lost my father and I don't want that for you. And that was like the healing moment. There was no talking about what happened, who said what, who said this. It was like, oh, it was like almost the universe was like, you're going to miss the Jokoi show. haha! But you're going to actually get your family back starting from now if you do the right thing. You know, like it was kind of this weird coincidence that turned into nothing's a coincidence and then so from there i actually got permission from her from her advocating for me to my dad to start to come come around and visit again and slowly build that relationship organically like actually knowing all of the things i knew then doing all the inner work and just healing work that i had been doing and actually acting was a huge part of it. Like me taking acting classes actually played a big role in me understanding what the heck was going on. Because when you're acting, you're actually just being a person or, you know, observing how people react to things or how you would react to things. You can change the way you react. Maybe the outcome would be different. Mm. And so I kind of applied it. I was like, I've always been so adamant about like, no, it should be this way. This time I was like, just let it be and see what happens. Well, depending on what she says, then maybe it'll be good. Just, it turned out that we both healed over that time that we weren't talking. And then it just led us back to build maybe actually probably now a stronger family unit because of that. But I had to do a lot of that work on my own. It felt very lonely, but at least I can say that I did it. Like there's no way in hell I was going to live my life and not try to make amends with my dad. So for me, that's like, you asked me what the biggest win in my life. I think that like getting <laughs> kicked out of your family and then being like, oh no, I got to get it back. <sighs> and so it, now it's so much better. And, and I think it's a good example also to my younger siblings to be able to like feel your feelings and allow yourself that and like allow yourself the space to go through these things but also like see the opening at the end of the tunnel and and be like let's do that that's positive that's lovely like you want to live a beautiful life so let's go that direction because yeah shit's hard i want to give you a fist pump um that cuts the because the family situation I'm going through where my mom is like the opposite of a situation where it's me between me and my stepdad. He's my dad. And my mom feels stuck in the middle because one's her partner and one's her son. Yeah. And she's depressed. She's going through a lot because she feels stuck in between. But I, I get a lot of hope and I really thank you for sharing because I think a lot of us during these dark moments, we feel stuck and we feel there's no way out. How I feel now is how I'm going to feel forever. But as you know, life's a season. You know, if it's always raining, there's flood, like LA the last two months. But if it's always sunny, there's drought and no life grows. So I think people forget there's a seasonality of life. Yeah. And I sense a lot of letting go. And surrender sounds easy, but if you look at uh, evolutionary psychology, surrender by trait 
is the hardest thing for humans to do because our brains are primed with Homo sapiens, were learned to not surrender to the unknown. Because survival back, instinct. Yes, because yeah. unknown means death. Yeah. And it's almost like you have to actively fight against your biology. And it would be crazy if that Joe Coy's concert was about family themed. Because uh, I know he, he's a lot of his uh, stand up is about family, right? And full circle moment. You know how he had that movie out last year? I, I was able to go to some of his events and his premiere, and I actually got to meet him. I told him that story. I was like, dude, Jokoi, it's because of you. My family's back together. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, really. Like, I went to your show and like, you know, things happened. And thanks for having a show in the Philippines. Yeah. And like, just in a nutshell, I just kind of told him. And he was like, dang, that's, I never seen the comedian look so serious. Mm-hmm. He was like, so like, sincerely like, wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And so I just thought it was funny because I was like, I don't know Jokoi like that, like, mm-hmm. but his moment, his show there kind of became a moment in my life to pivot to something better. Mm-hmm. And so you just never know. See, he's also just creating. He's just making people laugh, sharing his stories. And they're training the soul. Yeah, they're training <laughs> the soul. I bet he, I know he's bald, so he probably had a shiny head, like a halo. <laughs> it's probably glowing like a saint. <laughs> but that's synchronicity. I appreciate you sharing. That's a very powerful story. Thanks. I had this conversation yesterday with a coworker at um, USC where I work. She's very introverted. I'm curious to know whether you're introverted or extroverted or maybe extroverted, introvert or introverted, extrovert. I feel like I'm introverted, but I can be extroverted if I want to be. If you want to be. Or if a situation calls for it. Right. I, I kind of get drained when I'm around a lot of people. You know, I need alone time a lot and i need to replenish my energy that way more from within yeah from within or from being with yourself mm-hmm. you're more introverted um i mean it's a uh, everyone's mixed but i'm bringing this up because when i grew up because i'm 30 now in my early 20s you know all of us put certain people on a pedestal and you wanna you make their fame or what they have as like the goalpost mm-hmm. and you're like oh i want to achieve that goalpost but as you alluded to, a lot of us forget that their fame or their success or stature or whatever is a byproduct of their hard work. And to my surprise, a lot of people that I know from the industry, Hollywood influencers or not, they're actually very introverted and they love spending time by themselves and they love their craft. And through their perpetual pursuit of their craft, they become famous or they become well-known. And I think so many of our Gen Z nowadays, they miss that part. They go for the success without realizing that success is just a byproduct of that. I'm asking this, A, is about your personality because I think personality is pretty trippy. It's weird, right? Like we are the combinations of everything that was instilled, what we observe, our parents, genetics, nurture. Yeah. But also like how do you sustain your mental health and how do you stay healthy mentally during the in-between moments? Because as you know, sometimes you get major projects, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're in a drier season. Sometimes you're in a back-to-back actions. So how do you maintain that in between? You know, it's funny because this conversation comes up a lot with me and my husband because he's also a big music artist in the Philippines. And and we notice also with some of our peers that they do go through the, the lulls a lot. When things aren't popping, they're depressed and they're just so bummed out and unmotivated and helpless almost. And me and my husband are always talking about how we are... We definitely go through those lulls and we feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. Like, I'm not doing enough. Like, it's not working anymore. I don't know what to do. Like, freak out moments. But then we always acknowledge the fact that you need to get low and not busy and quiet for you to refuel your creative juices so that you can create something awesome. Because when you're constantly just pushing out, pushing out, pushing out, you'll deplete right? You'll get depleted and then nothing else will come out. So we kind of framed it in a way where it's like where you're feeling the lull, work on yourself, work on something new, pick up a hobby, work on something that kind of excites you, work on your craft, write something else. Or maybe if you're you're getting writer's block, do something else completely different and then kind of engage with your brain and your skill set and your physical self, work out, like get those endorphins, get some fresh air, like these things that you can do for free or just simply, right? To help yourself through those lulls will actually propel you to get 
energized to get more creative. Sometimes he's like, it's good to feel lazy because then eventually, how long can you be lazy for? You're eventually going to get sick of it and be like, oh, I have an idea. I'm going to do this. And then you never know. That could be like the perfect idea, like the in-between part. That's just as important as the high parts. But there are death. I'm not saying there's no down times that's really bad and I'm crying or I'm like, want to give up or, you know, like it's always... I allow myself to feel those things and then I recognize it and I'm like, oh, I don't feel good. It's not going to last forever. So I guess <laughs> I'll feel it and then I'll do something fun for myself and see how. Even Ferrari needs to stop for gas yeah. and every tire has its mileage. And the last of my checked were not robots. So if a car needs maintenance as humans, biological need- creatures, we definitely need maintenance. Yeah. And also, I I heard this somewhere, I don't know if it was a podcast or an interview, where it's like, everyone wants everything to be smooth sailing, because it's just annoying to have to deal with the obstacles and the challenges and the headaches. But you know, when you're, when you're looking at the heart monitor in the hospital, and it's going up and down, doot, doot, that's a good sign, because once it's flat, you're dead. Oh, I like that. <laughs> right? I like so that. So why would you want things to be flat? Ride the roller coaster, ride the wave, and try to enjoy it. Because there's lessons in everything. That's deep. <laughs> yeah, I'm a visual person, so I, I, I'm going to use that with my clients from now on. Oh, this, cool. Yeah, this is what I love. <laughs> I'm always learning something. This is, this is great. Well, I'm, I just learned that also. I'm trying to apply it to myself. So if it helps other people, then cool. <laughs> so let's talk about creatives. And you talked about writer's block. Of course, you're a singer, songwriter, so you write your songs as well. You co-wrote songs with some pretty amazing folks, right? So Jerry Seinfeld, one of the greatest comedians, the first billionaire comedian in U.S. history, he talks, he dispels this fallacy that writer's block. He says that people have this false dichotomy that quantity and quality are two separate things. He says he writes, I think, an hour every single day for the last 25 years. Wow. He writes every single day. And he says quantity produces quality. Quality is predicated on quantity, creativity. Do you have any thoughts on that? And how do you approach your own song titles like Honest, Love Is, Flex that came out last year, any other songs? Like what is your creative juice or creative process? I've had the worst writer's block the past few years. It's so funny because Honest was a song that, so the songs that I actually fully write myself, they come to me in like 10 minutes. Wow. But that's rare. That's a literally super rare. And I get so frustrated because I get used to the idea that I can write a song in 10 minutes. Mm. And when it doesn't come that way, I get frustrated and I throw the pen down and I just don't do it anymore. And so the past few years, I've just been feeling that way. Like, I know I've gone through a lot and I would love to share um, some of these stories and these messages, but I don't know how to get them out of my brain. I feel like I would just force myself and I would hate it. And so what happened was I just stopped. And I'm still on that journey of trying to find my voice again in terms of writing music. I feel like I kind of, because I felt frustrated with that side, the music side, I channeled all my energy into acting. And all I'm doing now is acting, 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 acting class, self-tapes, even like thinking of ideas for like a short or a film or TV series ideas. Like I feel like I've hit a wall with a music writing music that I I'm it's trying to come out somehow so I'm channeling it through the acting now although deep part of me still wants to burst through that and be able to write again and remember I told you that thing that happened yesterday where my first producer ever that the only producer that I felt like really made me sound really good like all the songs we did together were really my favorites ever i just bumped into him again after 12 years or so i feel like if you were saying oh maybe that's a sign maybe this is a sign that my writer's block will (laughs) go away (laughs) you know like i've really been stuck so i don't know how to answer that question but I feel like there is wisdom in, it's kind of like the outliers, right? 10,000 hours. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Like what you said earlier, when you put your energy into something, then that will grow and that will transpire and that will 
push boundaries. So I feel like there is wisdom to it, but I'm not practicing it with my songwriting. So maybe that's why I'm stuck. There was a time where I was struggling with it so bad. Like, does this make me not a musician anymore full time? Like, does this my identity? Like people know me as a, a singer actress first, not an actress turned singer. Like it's it was music first all the time. So I kind of dealt with like, do I tell people that I'm not doing music right now? Or do I tell them I'm I'm still doing it, but I'm not. So I'm kind of lying to myself if I say that I am when I'm not. I'm not writing. I'm not pushing for it. So there was also that weird thought process of like, identity crisis. <laughs> it's still a part of me, but it's just not in the forefront at the moment. Maybe this is the second sign. Maybe. I don't know, but I'm open to it. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, let's go on an adventure. Why yeah. don't we? I appreciate your honesty, especially in LA where everyone puts on a mask, yeah. facade. We all play certain characters. So I appreciate you being vulnerable and being honest with your own growth areas. That's what I call it. And I'm reading this book called The Black Box Thinking. Bad with names, even as a psychotherapist. But he's a former number one table tennis player from Britain, Olympian, now he's a strategic consultant, prolific author. He talks about failure is a signpost. Ooh. And in essence, failure is a violation of your expectations. So I'm going to say it again. Failure is a violation of expectations because when you fail, it's interruptions of your pattern. And I feel like writer's block could be uh, viewed as like a signpost where I think every crisis lies an opportunity. And of course, we're all meaning-making machines. You just talked about meaning-making, making meanings of what happens to us, internalize that meaning and navigate our life. That's why I never use the word overcome on my podcast. You will not hear me say it. I don't say it in real life. I say moving through. Because when you think about this idea like overcoming depressions, overcoming anxiety, overcoming trauma, what is there to overcome? There's, I'm going to nerd out really quick. Uh, bear with me, Mika. But there is a field called epigenetics. So genetics is DNA genomes, chromosome we're born with. That's a nature. Nurture is epigenetics. It's a study of the field of change of DNA expression based on the subsets of DNA genomes. So your DNA expression changes based on environmental feedback and nurturing while the genetics is fixed. I'm sharing this because epigenetically, trauma, depressions, anxiety, whatever challenges, there's nothing to overcome because they epigenetically become a part of you. The depressions you went through, the heartbreak you went through, they're part of you. So how can you overcome a part of yourself? It's already within you. So I say moving through. Because I think moving through implies that it's an active process. Yeah. Because when you move, there's different paces. Yeah. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Because I feel like that also, that's a really scientific way of explaining when we talked about how I restored the family relationship thing, where it's like, I'm not discounting all the hurtful things that happened. It's a part of us. It's a part of our growth. It's a part of me. I can always like, go back to that memory and still feel like, ah, oh, that's, that sucked. Like I, I didn't like that, but it doesn't mean that just because it's negative and it hurts and it, it was bad at the time that you can't coexist with that memory or that experience and also have parallel, like the positive experience, because then that just makes you a more well-rounded person in dealing with that relationship for the future. So it's not like, just because we fixed it, like, oh, we fixed our relationship doesn't mean that all that other bad stuff didn't happen. It's like, cool, like we were able to move through it and break through. Because when you deny, yeah, because when you deny the hurtful experiences, you're denying a part of yourself and you're yeah. part of your history. Yeah. And we are the histories of everyone before us and ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to ask you, I think these are related. You talked about finding your voice. And I know you talked about with me last week, you're currently in the process of finding your voice on social media. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does that mean to you, finding your voice? I don't know. I feel like I'm still going through that journey. And it was raised to me just very recently. It was kind of like, I guess, being in LA, a new city, a new environment, new people. I guess I got used to being known to a certain degree in my community in the Philippines. And whatever I was pushing out on social media was just an extension of that platform already. But I'm currently living in a world and a location 
in an experience where that's not the same foundation anymore. Not to say that it doesn't exist. It does. It's just in a different location in the world. And it's not as prevalent here. So it's kind of like I'm presenting myself on social media to people that don't know me. So I almost have to reintroduce myself. Great fashion, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. See, that's another form of expression. I'm, I'm currently trying to find myself through my style again because I feel like I fell off of it for a long time because I was focused on other things and... You know, like I feel like because I'm, I am finding my voice that comes with visual too. And it's like, how do I present myself to the world? And then you'll have an impression of visually what I'm presenting. What am I saying? Am I saying anything meaningful or deep or anything that people can actually latch onto that they can relate to me with? Or am I just BSing my way around? And there's a lot of that already. So um, I think finding my voice is finding, uh, getting to know myself more and being more comfortable and not scared to share that with people. Wow, even saying that, I feel like I was hesitant, right? Like I, I do hesitate all the time when I make new content where I'm actually speaking. Because mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, are people going to get mad? Are they going to side with me? Are they going to not? Are they going to think this is dumb? Like all of those fears I have to just like, just try because you just never know what if there's a whole community that's like wanting this kind of message or I don't know, a part of me that I never really looked into that can help someone else. So that that's my idea of finding my voice. And I guess it it's coincides with the songwriting because it's like, what topic do I want to sing about? All my songs prior were always about empowerment because I was actually looking for empowerment myself. I wrote this song called Breakthrough when I was on this TV show in the Philippines. And the reason I, I wrote it was because a friend of mine who was a cast member, supposed to be a cast member, tried to hurt himself. Mm. And prior to that, we had been partners. We had been seen partners with a renowned acting coach here in the U.S. Her name's Ivana Chubbuck. And I trained with her for so long. And, and I really see her as one of my mentors, but she really will break you down so that you can get the technique and, and get out of your own way. So I was doing a scene with this, this person and we killed it. Like we absolutely crushed it. We connected. He was sharing his personal stuff with me. I was sharing my personal stuff with him and we killed the scene before we were, or I think we started shooting the project already and he tried to do something to himself. Mm. It was not good. So he ended up leaving the show. And then that situation, I couldn't get over it because I was like, dang, I felt so close to him. Like he was opening up. He seemed good. And I felt like we were there was commonality of pain with what we were talking about, but then he ends up doing that and ends an opportunity that he was also sharing that was a big opportunity for him. And so I wrote the song Breakthrough because of that. So it's almost like something really has to move me internally for me to get the words out, the lyrics out and the melodies out. The song Honest, I also wrote that because of the whole situation with my dad's wife and that relationship that was mm. like failing or like was in a bad place. Like honest, let's be honest, I don't want this right now. So, you know, like I feel like those kinds of songs came out because I was going through it. Right now I'm going through like uh, finding myself all over again. So I don't know, we'll see what comes out. It'll like lend itself to the world eventually <laughs> i think life imitates art and art imitates life and it sounds like the theme is the higher the quality of life you're navigating in this avenue of life the higher the quality of your music and it's almost like life events like the catalyst for you to give you that music or whatever inspirations that you feel called and authentic because sounds like you care a lot about being authentic to your own voice yeah and i really do because you know, it could have been very easy for me with a music career to just do what the labels or the the management or whoever I encountered who were powerful and could really help me break out and like get famous or get a platform and get a name. But 
a lot of the the struggles that I had when I was starting out as a musician was um, they didn't want original songs. They wanted really? covers and they discounted a lot of this original stuff that I did. And so, it, I mean, of course it made me feel bad. Like, no, because it would, it would have been so easy. It would have been like, okay, cool, let me sign the deal and let me just sing covers. I guess I'll be famous. I guess if you're saying that you're going to do all of that for me. But then I always found myself turning away from those things. And I'd, it sounds terrible, but I'd rather have a harder time, but still do it authentically the way I want to, than kind of sell out in that way. Just because I, I don't think I was ever looking for the fame part. I just understand that that comes with the territory. And like, if you're known in any sort of way, then maybe your work was good enough that it touched a lot of people. That's mm. how I see it. More than like, like the, oh, I just want to be known. Like, if I don't have anything good to offer, I don't want to be known. <laughs> like, I want to give you something worth it. And if you know me, cool. If you don't, then it's fine too. <laughs> yeah, be loved for who you are versus be liked for who you are not. Yeah. Which, yeah. which is hard in LA. Very hard. <laughs> in your industry. Yeah, very hard. I'm just a podcaster that happens to have a YouTube platform, but you're actually, and to be fair, Mika, you are known in Philippines, but you're unique because you have international audience in Philippines and now you're refining your voice and hopefully you can move through your writer's block in whatever way that's fitting to you. But I think definitely there's a lot of signs. I think this is another sign for you. Uh, this is a interesting question. I think I'd love to hear your thoughts. So you're also married to your husband, JR. Shout out to JR. Uh, the Philippine king of R&B, not to mention your massive fan base in the Philippines. How are the fans different in the Philippines and the US? Like, do they behave differently? So when I made a bit of a name in the Philippines, I didn't really experience the fandom as much outside of the country because I was just in the Philippines. I was always taping. I was always on set. So it was always work for me. Like wake up at 5 a.m., go to set, shoot the whole day, come home. When we came to L.A. mid-pandemic, I had a TV series that I shot during the pandemic that started airing when I actually was in LA already. Oh. And so a lot of the Filipino American community in the US rely on these Filipino channels and shows to connect them back to their roots, which is, you know, 12 hour flight across the world. And so they really, there's a culture in Filipino households here where they're just, they, they always have TFC, the Filipino channel on, like on TV, in the kitchen, in the living room, like it's always just on. And so when I started, you know, being in LA and I spent a lot of time in, in the hospital and in uh, an elderly facility for my husband's dad's condition, and a lot of the nurses were Filipino. And so they were, they were calling me by my character names. Like they were like, oh, it's Lupita. Oh, it's, it's Paulina from the show. And, I, and it was my first time really like feeling any sort of, I guess, celebrity in that way. And they weren't Filipinos really from the Philippines. They're Phil Ams. They live here. They speak English most of the time. A lot of them still speak Tagalog, but... I feel like they're more because they're so far away from home out here that they get so much more excited to see you. Mm. It's like, oh my gosh, you're here. Like I just watch you, it reminds me of home. And and it's a different joy that you see that you you bring to them or even just being in front of them. But whatever your work, your music or your show or your film does to them, it's so fascinating what that does to them because they miss home so much and you almost become a symbol of like a touch of home to them whereas in the philippines i guess only when i would go to the provinces the the, the rural areas where they don't really get to go to the city as often and i've never really been around industry and the television is such like they put that on a pedestal that's when you really feel like they they love you so much like it's like almost alien you're you're a you're an alien to them and they're like wow oh you know she moves 
yeah, it's like, oh my God, you're really alive. Like you're in front of me. This is crazy. They go crazy. But in the city, it's different. It's almost just like mundane. It's just like, okay, just going to work. So I guess in a way, I feel like I can talk to the fans out here more mm. because we're not from where we are. We're kind of a small community, but it's actually a large community. I found out that Filipinos were the third largest. Second now. Second now? Last year, was, we were the third largest um, Asian, American Asian American community in LA. I just checked yesterday. Second. It's second now. Oh my gosh. We're <laughs> making babies? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was like, wow, there's a lot of Filipinos here. We're not really a small community, but it just feels like you're a small community in comparison to the rest of the world that kind of have this common ground of, of sharing our culture through the arts. Yeah, I'm excited to witness your growth and to see how you rediscover, redefine your voice. Yeah. And it's cool. It's, uh, that's one thing that I, I still struggle with because podcast is an art. It's very creative and it's very nuanced, like playing on words, making different connections. And I still struggle to call myself like an artist because I still have these instilled idea that art looks a specific traditional way, like painting, music, mm-hmm. movies. But I really do believe that art is just another avenue to view life through. And I find that very, very empowering because life is full of suffering. And that's why I love Joe Coy is one of my favorite comedians. <laughs> he has a segment about Filipinos being nurses. Yeah. I'm not even going to repeat it because it's, but it's so funny. And I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was my dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. It's, <laughs> it's so funny. Well, you just want to be a dancer, but no, I got to be yeah, a nurse. Just, yeah. <laughs> because I feel like life is so much uh, full of suffering and why not create these platforms that spark a little bit more joy? And I think you're doing that in every aspect. And I'm very intentional with who I reach out to. I really am. I don't just go for the biggest names, biggest guests, because I want to have these very personable conversations very intentionally. And yeah, I really appreciate your thoughtfulness, your authentic version you showed on the show today and just being very vulnerable and sharing our family struggles together. And yeah, I really appreciate your thoughtfulness. Well, likewise, thank you for having me. This is my first podcast ever in the US or ever. I don't think I've ever been on anyone's podcast, but when I got the email to come to your show, I... Of course, I looked up some things, but the fact that you wanted to touch on the topics that we touched upon for me was very refreshing because it's not the typical. I, I like get asked questions in interviews all the time, but they don't go deep. They don't go that deep. So I really appreciate you having me. And the fact that I'm kind of feel like I'm new here. I'm like a new kid in on the block, a new kid on the block in L.A., I guess. <laughs> Um, the fact that you gave me a platform to share whatever I can, I'm really grateful for that too. I feel like this is awesome. So thank you also. Thank you. <laughs> TCK Unite. Yeah, TCK. TCK. Hashtag TCK. Uh, that's their third culture Third culture kid. kid. With that being said, I want to be respectful of your time, Mika. So this is where I roll out the red carpet for you, metaphorically. But it's very fitting given your actress background. If people are fascinated and intrigued by some of your stories, which you shared today, where can people connect with you offline? Not just follow you, but ask you meaningful questions and engage with you and anything in between. Oh, okay. Well, my Instagram is Mika, M-I-C-A, and all my other social media platforms are The Real Mika, D-A-R-E-A-L-M-I-C-A. So that's TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. I respond. So if anyone wants to reach out to just talk or touch upon some of the topics we covered or even ask questions. I would love that. Um, it's really awesome to to have these conversations even online with people that you don't know because there's so much, there's a wealth of, of experiences and, and knowledge and there's so much commonality between people even though we're all so different. So please follow me there and feel free to comment or message and and let's enjoy the journey together because we're all going through life together. So might as well share and connect. We all eat the same way, poop the same way, sleep the same way, and we're going to die the same way. Mm-hmm. So might as well share this journey together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Thank you for your time today, Mika. Thank you. If you enjoyed or derived any value from today's conversation, share this episode with one friend. And as always, I hope to see you again in the next week's train of Discover More. Thank you for tuning in.